looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any other films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hey, it's Tanisha Collins, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. This next guest is a Canadian screen, television, voice, and stage actress. Also, as well, she dabbles in something called writing, and I'm sure she's bilingual from where she's from, but also hosting. You can currently see some of her latest work in a Netflix dramatic comedy feature film, Fatherhood, which is available now. Let's welcome Miss Tanisha Collins. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm I appreciate cool. the time. By the way, I have to say, um, uh, we're doing this on video, folks. They won't see this video, but uh, so I want to point this out. Tanisha can see that I don't have the curls that I used to have, but I appreciate your curls. <laughs> Thank you. Now I'm picturing them on your head, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I was working more, not your style, but it was a Think of Sean Penn in Fast Times. 
<laughs> All I need are some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. That's a pretty good head of hair. At that time, yes. Yeah. That, that, hard to work on because I know uh, different cultures and everybody have different styles of hair. I had, and I mean this with all respect, I had the Jufro going. <laughs> yeah, I get to that style. People know what I'm talking about. It just gets like... Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, I get the Jufro going. So, But I appreciate the look style of your hair, but also in fatherhood. But before we get into fatherhood and a few other things you did, I'm curious to know about the involvement you have because you... I didn't mention this in the intro, but you dabble in a few other things. You deal with beauty and lifestyle, travel, a couple other. You got your hands in a couple of cookie jars, if I, as I like to put it. So what is it about this other stuff that you enjoy doing? You know what? I think that especially in the arts, it's so easy to get myopic in what you're doing. But the fact is that we're human beings and we're more than just one thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's really just a matter of these are the things that I'm drawn towards and interested in, you know, like you mentioned, like, thank you for the compliment on my hair. Um, and, you know, because I'm active on social media, I somehow accidentally became a beauty influencer with my hair, you know, and it wasn't intentional, but, you know, every post that I do is basically a hair post because I'm in it. Um, and I'm very, very passionate about my hair because I've gone through this whole, whole journey um, to get my curls back because I think that every woman at some point in her probably teens goes through a period of just blow drying the crap out of their hair. And then you're like, okay, wait, I love my curls. Um, and travel has also been a huge passion of mine. Um, I, I think there's so much that we can learn, not just within our own area, like in my city and in my country, um, in neighboring countries, but by traveling the world, you know, um, meeting other people, seeing how they live, seeing, um, seeing how they look at things a little bit differently. And um, I just got really, really lucky that I knew somebody who started a uh, travel concierge and I was just, I had a specific set of skills that they needed um, to help bring his company to the next level. And I was able to jump full on as a consultant and, and learn as much as possible about that and also get to experience the world in travel. Um, and what was cool is that because of that experience, it ended up leading me to be um, the spokesperson and host for Air Canada's frequent flyer program. Um, so it was kind of like this nice little um, juxtaposition of my acting and hosting with my travel, um, where I got to, you know, talk about the rewards program and interview their executives and talk about travel tips and stuff. So it's really just, I feel like everything that I do is just another thing that I, I've always wanted to do. And I figure what better time than the present to at least learn, even if you learn it and it's very, very poor. And I've taken on things that I'm like, I want to learn it. And I'm terrible at it. But it's just the fun in learning it and being like, okay, I did that. And if I want to stick with it, yeah. If not, that's okay too. You know, it's funny. Uh, well, something I want to bring up about the hair again, because you mentioned it in your answer there. But you mentioned learning. Uh, how did he put it? I'm trying to think. Last week spoke with DC the Brain Supreme from Tag Team. And a big part of that conversation, and you reminded it, me of it there, where he, he phrased it as learning to learn and whether or not you use it going forward once you learn it for whatever the specific reason is, it's always good to have that in your back pocket. A hundred percent. I mean, and, and like, I feel like as human beings, while part of us, we're drawn to our comfort zone and there's such a great feeling feels like being wrapped in a warm blanket in your comfort zone, but we're also inherently eternal learners. Right. Um, like I was that kid, like I loved school. I loved learning. I studied science, even though I didn't have any real intention of actually working in it because I just like learning about things that I don't know. Um, but learning doesn't have to be academic. You don't need to go to school and get a degree in something. It could be reading something or speaking to somebody who has a completely different viewpoint of yours, not to convince them of your viewpoint, but to learn from them, you know? And I, like I've said this, I think like five times in the last few weeks, but for me, I feel like if I'm not evolving, I'm dying. And part of that is just learning and trying new things because 
everything that I learned, whether it's through speaking with people or through reading or through trying something and completely failing it, I'm actually learning things about myself while I learn things about the world around me. Mm-hmm. You know, so the more the more I learn something through an article, like I, I recently I, I just got fascinated and I wanted to know about you know airplanes and I don't know why, um, but I started looking into you know different things about airplanes and I was like, oh cool, and then it, some of the stuff kind of tied back into like memories from ten years ago of physics classes that I took and it reminded me of things in me that I forgot about. So I'm still learning about myself as I'm learning about airplanes, which was totally unexpected. And because you mentioned about Air Canada, before I go back to the sidetrack with the hair thing you mentioned, when you brought up about doing stuff with Air Canada and all that stuff, the travel, not that I'm traveling with them, but since you tend to know about the rewards programs and different things, where the hell were you when I was booking my upcoming trip for the show to Florida in a few weeks? (laughs) I could have had you as my travel agent. Right. The thing is that, look, like I'm not a travel agent, No, (laughs) but, um, I've learned a lot of really good tips that are either just insider hacks um, or just tips to help you travel better, you know, because I'm one of the rare people who love being in the air. I love being in the air. I'll do like 20 million connections, even I don't care, I like going to airports. Um, But I also have hacked the system. Like I'm that person who like, if you see me in an airport, you'll probably see me running to a gate um, you know, cause I know, okay, this is the last moment that I can arrive at the airport before going to a gate. And then I know, you know, if you're looking for a flight, you would like search an incognito mode and look on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Cause that's when the prices are lower. You know, there's like hidden city ticketing, like where you can, um, let's say I want to fly to West Palm beach. Um, or I want to fly to Orlando, let's say. And for some reason there's a flight that goes from Montreal to West Palm Beach, but it connects in Orlando, that flight might be cheaper to fly to West Palm than it would be to fly to Orlando because less people are going to West Palm. So like airlines don't like you knowing about that, but if you're just traveling with a carry-on, just take the flight and get off in Orlando. I haven't tried that during COVID. I don't know if, it, if it's different with all the health protocols, but I, I've done that before. And you know, once I, I was actually flying from Fort Lauderdale to DC or vice versa, and I bought a ticket to like Columbus, Ohio, because it was connecting in DC. And then there was a storm and they rerouted the flight. And that's where my acting skills came in handy because I really had to make up a really BS story about why I actually needed to go to DC and it's okay. I'll figure out my own way to Columbus. So at your own risk, but hidden city ticketing is something that I recommend you look up for your next travel. And yes, because how did she how did she know, folks, that I was traveling through Orlando? But it's so random (laughs) yeah no because it's funny that you say that and we're going off on a tangent here yeah i just have a feeling you know something about you was like he's going through orlando no i'm totally joking yeah (laughs) no but uh i wanted to mention because you mentioned quickly about as far as the beauty and all that stuff Mm -hmm. then we'll get into the acting and all females having the blow dryer especially during our teens and stuff i'm curious to know because i wouldn't know is that would that be because of, say, uh, just that t- time frame of a female's life as far as maturing and everything? Because, like, I always had, like, curly hair no matter what, but I never had to deal with the blow dry, you know, just chemically and just how. So I would say, if I'm being brutally honest, it's Eurocentric beauty standards um, because the ideal is this straight flowing hair. And I think you know, as a child, I always wished that I had straight hair. And then I think in my, maybe like when I turned 17, because I think mostly through high school, I mostly wore my hair curly, but like 17, it was like, oh, this looks good, you know? And then I started appreciating things. But I started, no, I started blow drying my hair at 17, 18. And I was like, this looks cool. And like, if you could picture Meghan Markle, it was like that, you know, I was like, this is amazing. Um, But then what would happen is that heat just heat just a blow dryer you know if you're consistently using it it damages your hair so then if you have a curl or a wave to your hair you know not everybody has curls of course curls but they might have a nice wave it's not gonna wave as much anymore because you're damaging that cuticle so after a while I started kind of missing my curls and I never chemically straightened my hair but just enough with the blow dryer and like a curling iron um, and they wouldn't curl the same so it took you know a good 
I'd say a year of just kind of being like, okay, I got to suck it up and wear a ponytail, which I, unless I'm working out, I'm never in a ponytail, um, like suck it up, wear a ponytail just to give my hair a break and let my curls kind of bounce back slowly. And when they came back, like I spent all my childhood being that person where people would stop me in the grocery store being like, okay, what do you do to your hair? And then it's happening again as an adult, but that period of time in between, I think I just, you know, we, and if you look at any group of like, teen, even teenage guys, but any group of teenagers, oftentimes they kind of all look the same, you know, they're dressed the same, they have their hair similar, things like that. So I think for me, it was probably subconsciously just fitting in with my friends group, wearing my hair straight. And then as you get a little bit older, you start coming back into yourself and you're like, wait a second, like, let me bring more of myself to myself. Um, which I think now with teens and young adults, it's very different because it's a whole different mentality with that they look at things. Um, but especially let's say in black culture, you know, um, it's this societal standard that's imposed upon black people, um, which is a Eurocentric, I mean, our, our standards of beauty are Eurocentric um, in general. So I think that that definitely has a big factor at play versus self-esteem. I don't think self-esteem is necessarily as big as um, just fitting into the beauty standard and looking like the women on the cover of your magazine, no matter their race, you know? Yeah. And it's funny because you mentioned about within black culture and hair and this to that, and it goes across all boards. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that, but you may be thinking, I can't believe we're going this direction, but Hey, it is what it is. We like to be honest and real with folks, but the thing I, and I want to go see it because I heard him talk about it. Chris Rock did a documentary, if I remember this correctly. Yes. But he, what got that whole process going for him was his kids. He has two daughters. And if I remember the story correctly, I guess it was his oldest daughter asked him something about her hair. Mm -hmm. And it just like, daddy, why can't I do this? Or I can't do that with my hair. You know, just like, and it was just one of those things because black hair is different than most other cultures hair and it was a thing that got him thinking hmm well just a simple question daddy why can't i do this with my hair just snowballed effect for him it's a great documentary it's called good hair oh and you've seen for, it i've seen it and even for myself like you see my hair it's more like you know you talked about the jufro it's just an elongated jufro you know <laughs> yeah so it's textured but it's not it's a little bit in the middle of the spectrum, you know? Um, so it, it opened my eyes for certain things as well. Like I have family members who have coarser hair or less coarse hair, you know, just within the black community, there's different textures of hair as well. Exactly. Um, but I do think that, um, especially if you're not somebody with textured hair, whether you're black or because look, like you mentioned the Jufro again, a lot of Jewish people have very coarse hair as well. I do, there you um, go. You know, like you, you did as well. So I think it's just, if you don't have textured hair, um, it's it's an interesting watch to understand the lengths that some people go through to fit into a beauty standard, but also just the differences in how um, somebody else's hair will react to certain products and chemicals and just water even than yours, you know? Exactly. And it goes back to what DC had told me, which is great. And no wonder the name, the brain Supreme is in his name, but mm -hmm. it goes back to what he said. And I mentioned it earlier to you, learning to learn. Yes. And I'm I'm big into documentaries, and I always that's the documentary we were just talking about. Good hair is on my watch list because it just seems like an interesting topic to dive into. And with Chris Rock narrating it, and like you know going to these places, um, it also makes it it's like it's comedic. It's funny. It's very human to watch. You're not it's not a stiff. It's not a stiff documentary. Um, it's very lighthearted. It was very enjoyable to watch, and I'm. I'm somebody who like, I'm not into documentaries. Like I'll watch a few here or there, but I'm not that person whose Netflix queue is all just documentaries. Um, you know, it's like one out of 20 is a documentary, but I, I really enjoyed it. Well, you just hit it on the head there. Speaking of Netflix, the new release fatherhood. <laughs> I actually got through three quarters of it this morning. Cause I had two little ones running around yesterday visiting, but, and very enjoyable flick and this film stars kevin hart and tanisha and there's another bunch of cast of characters and at least because kevin hart i would say is the headliner of this film rightfully so 
obviously it's more of a uh not i wouldn't say romantic comedy that's sprinkled in there but it's totally because you when people most people hear the name kevin hart it's not what you would expect from him so i don't want to give any spoilers to the film (laughs) but what was your experience i know this is an obvious question experience working with kevin and the film itself holy moly so um I, I, at the beginning of, so we shot this in 2019. Okay. Um, at the beginning of that year, I had actually just did a data dump of all the artists that I wanted to work with. Um, and most of them were people that I knew, but there were some celebrities on that list. And Kevin was on that list. Alfre Woodard was on that list. And lo and behold, six months later, I'm on set working with both of them. So for me, it was just that whole, that whole process in itself was a surreal experience. Um, so it's a film based on a true story, right? Um, it's about a recently widowed father. His wife dies 27 hours after delivering their baby. Um, and then he's not the parental one, uh, but he's struggling to you know, raise this baby girl and find himself and find their footing. Um, so I knew the story already because I'd researched it during the audition and callback process. But I remember, um, and this is another tie into Florida, I was at the airport in Miami flying back to Montreal and I got the script in my email. And I'm sitting at the airport bar reading the script. And within the first 10 pages, I burst out into tears in the airport um, because it was just so beautifully written. Um, and I have to say that the only word that I can describe the experience is as is magical. Every step of that process was magical. On set, I could feel that everybody through to the cast, to the producers felt that we were working on something special um, and the added responsibility of it being a true story. Um, which makes it so much more significant for me as a creator. Um, And I didn't really know what to expect when I started working with Kevin, you know, Um, our first few days are, I play his daughter's teacher at at five years old. So the first few days of shooting were school scenes and they're very light, slightly comedic scenes where I'm trying to talk to him and he's driving away. (laughs) And, um, you know, it's very, he's dismissing me the whole time. And, um, it was funny because I like, in, like I work a lot in drama um, and I've seen, I, I love him. I think he's hilarious, but I kind of was, I expected him to do as well as most people expect him to do in a dramatic role. Um, meaning like it'd be okay, but nothing groundbreaking. Um, and the first few days was light. And I was like, Oh God, this is, he's going to like not give this project the credit that it's due. He's just going to give, basically it's like this project's going to be big because of his name. But as soon as we shifted in the production schedule to the more dramatic moment, it was like, like he was on. And it was so, for me, it was as somebody who just met him, such a sense of pride to watch him do that shift because this was his most dramatic role. Um, And he was very vulnerable and humble about it to see that shift and to see how amazing he did in those moments. And, you know, being this one of the top movie stars in the world still turning to me um, and asking me, how was that after a take? Like, how did, what did you think of that? Was that okay? Should I try something different? Um, which to me was just so amazing. And it's a statement, a testament to his character. You know, he's one of those people who's consistently learning and always trying to improve. So the fact that he turned to, to me for feedback to me was just astounding. And it's nice to see if another Philly guy do well in Kevin, because mm-hmm. I'm from that region as well and currently there. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned a dramatic side of things with this project and two things stand out for me from what I have seen. Like I said, I'm three quarters through the film, but the two things that really stood out for me and the scenes you were talking about him kind of like, I got to go. I got to go. Yeah. (laughs) Hilarious. And Kevin Hart way. But the first one being that he was, dressing his daughter like a boy and i i'm not saying full-on boy but i guess this ain't spoiling nothing because you said you play her teacher and such Mm -hmm. but kevin's daughter in the film goes to a catholic school and for those who i think are familiar with catholic schools most wear skirts and stuff like that where the boys are in slacks and there's a certain dress code She's not in that particular dress code with Kevin being dad of a girl. 
and mom's not around obviously Mm -hmm. but the other one that stood out for me too that really like and i'm not a sappy kind of guy or anything but it's one of those parts that's like how could it not get to you at some point was when you were with the child in the hospital after she got hurt and he he comes in they do the stitch you know they take care of her and all but the dramatic part was after the fact where he kind of had to grit his teeth and deal with it yes daughter but it was he was telling the romantic interest it's like that was the same hospital i lost her mother in and Mm-hmm. I felt, you know, I mean, that whole connection. Watch the film, folks. I don't want to give it completely away. But that scene in particular, after everything settles down and he's sitting in his living room, how could that not, you know? It, and especially with Melody Heard, who plays Maddie, who's just so good in the role. It's like, you can't, how can you not feel something for this? You know, if, if anything, empathy for this man who's just trying his best and, you know, also trying to also have a life beyond his daughter, um, which hasn't been the case. It's just been them, you know? Um, So I think that a lot of people, especially fathers um, who don't often get the credit that they deserve in Hollywood productions, you know, really felt a strong emotional response to, to specific moments that resonated with them because they actually felt seen in that moment. Um, and I love that you mentioned that you noticed that uh, Maddie was mostly in boys clothes or always in boys clothes, right? Um, and I think, look, like it's a true story. And the true Maddie is mostly in boys clothes, you know, quote unquote, boys clothes, you know? Um, so it, it, it is very much close to truth. And, you know, there, there were some scenes that were cut that touched a little bit, I'd say went a little bit more direct on some of that. Um, and that's unfortunate for me because those are some of my scenes um, that were cut. Um, but I think just the the hint of it, and you know, you see that her her bedding is, you know, everything around her is very much, you know, quote unquote masculine. But what does that really mean, anyways? Um, and then it's just more heightened because the school's trying to force her to to kind of conform to something. Um, I do, I do, for like selfish reasons, wish that those deleted scenes or cut scenes were in it. Um, because they just showed more of me and um, a little bit more um, of an indication of who the real Maddie is. Um, But I also understand why they were removed. And I think that a lot of people um, right away clued into the fact that, oh, this little girl who is very headstrong, who is very, she is an independent child, um, is also just very confidently wearing boys clothes, even when she's given the option to wear quote unquote girls clothes. Right. Um, and I, and I love that people are noticing that. And I, I got to ask, and we can always cut this little piece out here. I noticed when you join me for the video here next to your name, and it's kind of, and the reason I'm asking kind of with the answer you were just mm-hmm. given there about the confidence and yes. her being her is on your login, it says she, her. And that's part of that, I would think, part of that whole conversation. It's been that has been happening in the past, I say, couple years here. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the benefits of being in the arts is that a lot of like, people are often a lot more free and apologetic as to who they are. So I get exposure to people of different um uh, sexual identities, gender identity, sexual orientations, different background, ethnicities, different countries of origin. So there's a plethora of different people that I'm surrounded by that share their experiences. And I, because of that benefit, like I I feel like there are people who get their gender assumed who actually don't want that assumed. Um, I do that in solidarity for them because either I put it out there or you ask, you know, I don't assume with people anymore. And I, I try as much as I can to not assume. Um, and you can totally leave this and you don't need to cut it. I'm very unapologetic about my allyship. Um, but, you know, I try as much as I can not to assume somebody's gender. Um, obviously it's a learning process and it's something to unlearn as well. But I feel like something as simple as putting my pronouns in a, uh, 
Zoom meeting means that if I'm talking to you and you tell me that your pronouns are they, them, you'll, you'll see she, you'll see she, her, and you'll be like, you know what? She understands just so you know, my pronouns are they, them, or my programs are she, her, or whatever they are, you know, um, you feel more comfortable to let me know as well. And also nobody else who maybe is a strong ally who doesn't want to ask, they don't need to ask because it's there. Exactly. And it's, no, I appreciate you answering it, but it's been a topic of conversation in recent years. And like you said, some people have to relearn. I know for me, I never had an issue with that. Cause here's the thing, I, how I look at it, you know who you are yet. Tanisha Collins knows who she is. Jonathan Steele knows who he is. Whoever down the line, you you are who you are. Once you, I think once you accept it. But I'm glad. Point being, I'm glad the conversations are being had because again, going back to, we're learning to learn. Exactly, and like you had mentioned before, you mentioned my you know my my social channels and everything like that, like one of my personal core values that I try to project and share and, and empower other people that I either meet or, you know, can have some kind of contact with on my social channels is to be unapologetically you, right? So whatever that means to you. And if you don't know what that means, that's okay. Be unapologetic. Like I have a friend who they're trying to figure things out and I'm like, that's okay too. Just sit in that, you know? Um, and part of that for me and learning to learn is, you know, I, it's not even a problem. I embrace it. Um, but I've also, you know, I've accidentally misgendered somebody where, you know, I've had a hairstylist who I, 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 I was speaking to them and I said, you know, as I referred to them, I said, she, and then afterwards, she's like, oh, just so you know, they said, just so you know, my pronouns are they, them. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And because it wasn't, it wasn't something intentional. It wasn't something that I was repeatedly doing they were happy and they were, and they, they were happy to be like, to correct me. And then be like, they didn't, they weren't offended. You know, I, I worked with other artists, you know, my hairstylist who like you, like I said, like you can't assume somebody's pronouns and I, but didn't feel comfortable assuming. So finally, and, and then the, their name was also ambiguous, but even a name doesn't really tell you anything. I could be Tanisha and identify as he. Um, and I just asked them, I was like, just so I can do this properly, um, can you please let me know what your pronouns are? I don't need to know what your identity is, just how do you want me to refer it to you as? Mm -hmm. And that was something so simple that I feel that a lot of people um, are sometimes afraid to ask um, because you know we're trying to be very PC, but sometimes being so PC is dismissive at the same time. So I'd rather acknowledge it, acknowledge that I don't know, yeah. and then and then learn from it. Yeah, and this is not the most PC show, but you mentioned there, which is interesting, about the identifying of somebody else. And I, I'm not going to say who. It's this is not the forum for that. Mm -hmm. But I had that contradiction about somebody who's been very great to us mm -hmm. but i had a sense of embarrassment too like i did you know what i mean like i want to you know address you properly yes like you were saying but it's like there was a, almost like a contradiction but all is good you know we exactly. but yeah it, at first it was a matter of having that conversation, you know, because I didn't want to come across like I was some sort of a jerk or. Of course. You know. I think also like how we present as and how we identify it as are not always connected, right? Even as ourselves, you know, um, how you see me might not be who I really am. Um, so I, I think that, you know, it, let yourself be uncomfortable for a moment to actually acknowledge somebody and it goes a lot further than you realize and you know it's interesting that you mention that because i actually think and tell me if i'm wrong please uh since because that's what we do yes we're not the most pc show around mm -hmm. but we like showing the real side of folks and i think 
Yeah, it's great that you are in fatherhood and you did the thing with Peaky Subin with the Just for Laughs and the Hulu series with Seth Rogen and just the different stuff. And there's that professional side. But I like to think it's nice that, if anything, people can take a little something out of this conversation of seeing the real Tanisha, if that makes sense. I think that makes perfect sense. And I appreciate you saying that. Um, I, I think it's a disservice to me and to anybody else to not present myself, even in an interview, um, as who I am, you know, who I am right now, I'd be the same Tanisha if we were grabbing a beer a few hours later, um, you know, maybe a little bit, a little bit more boisterous. Um, but yeah, I, I'm the same person. And I think that um, it's, it's, for me, it's my gift to me. It's yeah. to not feel like I have to um, be somebody else. Be like, I, I like to be authentic. I don't feel, I don't like feeling the feel, you know, sometimes you feel like you have to behave differently around certain people. Obviously you might choose your topics of conversation a little bit differently depending on your audience, but who you are at your core, I don't feel comfortable having, like feeling that I have to change that. Yeah. It's like, and that's, you hit it on the head there. That's what I try to do with these conversations is, and hopefully one day it will happen with us. You know, that I'd love to have people have that feeling go, wow, I'd like to sit and have a beer with that person. Or I'd like to, yeah, you know, I mean, just the real person, not just the entertainment side of people. Exactly. And I think that's, you know what, like, I don't know about you, but if you think of any public figure that you admire, you admire their work, but most likely you also admire who they are as a person. Right. Yeah. And that's because of that authenticity. And there are people who just put out a persona and then they disappear into the night after, you know, they release their album or release their film, they put out a persona, then they, then they disappear. And you might not feel as connected to them. Right. So I think that, you know, me talking to you, like, I feel like you're very authentic and I feel like your, your listeners probably feel the same way, which is why they tune into your show. I appreciate that. And like I said, it's, I, I like people walking away going, you know what, if they listen, you know, what? I'd like to have a beer with that guest. I'd like that. Or, you know, what? I never heard of that guest. I want to go see the Hulu series or the Netflix movie or this, that, and the other, or follow her tips that she does through her website, TanishaCollins.com. Mm -hmm. Let's get that in there. But I want to wrap up with this because, well, actually there's two things I want to bring up because I got my notes here. So that's why you kind of mm -hmm. see me looking off too. Well, the first one is how was your family as far as you, because the way I read it, in my notes was that you were the one to push to try to get an agent at a young age. So how was your parents with trying to go this direction with entertainment? You know what? I don't think they were very surprised. I was a very precocious child. Um, very, very precocious. Always wanted to be with the adults um, and wasn't shy at all. Um, and I had gotten hooked on theater in school a couple of years prior. And I probably heard it on like entertainment tonight or something that you needed an agent to be able to act. So I gave them the yellow pages. And I think they were probably a little like taken aback at this 10 year old handing them the yellow pages, but they were very much on board. Um, very, very much on board. They were very supportive. Um, as a child, I'd say that, you know, I had, I had a, one sister at the time who was very cute and has talent, but really doesn't like being in the spotlight. So it's challenging to be a parent of a child actor when you have other children who don't want to do that. Um, so it was, a, I'd say a little more, you know, ramped down than it is now. Um, but they were very supportive and um, they're always supportive. I, like you mentioned before, there's so many different things that I do and there's things that I've studied and, you know, most people would be like, Oh, you should study theater. And I decided to study biology and they were very supportive of that. Um, they're, I'm very, 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 very blessed to have um, a family, my parents, my siblings, and an extended family who 100% believe in me and believe that anything that I want to do, as cheesy as it sounds, anything that I want to make happen, that I can. And they're the people who cheered for me when I was doing background work. So I was like an extra in a movie, like, oh, we spot you there walking by. They got excited from that. 
you know? And those are the people that you need in your life, the people who will celebrate the teeny tiny things. So for me, I have to say that I'm, I don't think that my, my parents, you know, when I was born was like, she's going to be an actress. Um, but I also don't think that they were ever like, oh man, she's going to be an actress. It was like, this is this what you want to do. This makes you happy. Do it. If I decided that I wanted to do, you know, completely change careers, I don't know, like lay, lay asphalt, you know, <laughs> like, um, which is kudos to the people who do it, you know, but if I decided to do a complete, complete 180, they'd be like, does this make you happy? Great do it. We'll support you. And they'd probably come over to the street that I laid with a ball of champagne and yeah. it on with balloons, you know, <laughs> our, our daughter laid that. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. They, like I, my mom would probably put a Facebook post. My grandmother would put a post being like, this is my grandbaby's street that she paved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, that could be quite interesting. Actually, leads to my other point I want to bring up. Actually, it's a two-parter here. And I'm not too, too familiar with it, but I guess it's a local thing, the Black Theater Workshop. What is that? And is that where you actually studied the Meisner technique? So the Black Theater Workshop is, I believe, Canada's oldest theater company. Um, and it's a Black-based um, theater. Now it's not just Black, but I mean, their, their main mission is to amplify Black voices. Um, and they have a, men a very um, prestigious mentorship program um, where they mentor. Um, in my year, it was a very small group of actors, directors, and writers. Um, and they pair you with a mentor who is operating at a very high level in your industry already. And then we have, um, we meet weekly, you know, it's over a course of a year. Um, and what was cool is that, yeah, well, it's a black theater workshop, but you know, I had white people in my group. I had a Chinese director in my, in my class. We had a Persian guy, like we were very diverse. It was just about amplifying underrepresented people versus just black people. Um, so it is very well known in Canada. It's a very prestigious theater company. Um, and their mentorship program for me, it wasn't where I studied Meisner, um, but it was really for me, the training ground and confidence um, that I needed to be able to confidently tackle a career in theater. Um, because having had more of a, you know, I hadn't done theater since I was a child, having done mostly TV and film, um, they're similar, but they're totally different in their different communities. And I kind of felt like an imposter in that community. Um, and because I didn't go to formal theater school, um, you know, I kind of felt like, well, why would they, which is such an unfounded doubt, but it's like, why would they want to hire me? I have no theater experience. I have no theater training, even though I'm doing this for 20 years. Um, so they gave me the train and the tool, the training, the tools, and also just that extra like confidence club that I needed to be like, no, no, you know what? I am also a theater actor. Let's do this. Um, I did not study the Meisner technique with the Black Theater Workshop. I studied it with a woman named Jacqueline McClintock, who is, um, I call her my acting mama. Unfortunately, she passed away, but she, um, aside from, let's say my mom and my grandmother, she was one of the most important women in my life. And um, she trained directly under Sanford Meisner at the neighborhood playhouse. Um, so she was an actor, writer, director, and um, had a degree in teaching and also had <laughs> training and teaching from the neighborhood playhouse. And um, I was hooked. Like she's, she, for anybody who's Canadian, um, she's renowned. She, any major Canadian star, she's probably trained them. Um, she would train across the country and then she'd go to Europe and train as well. And, you know, when we had celebrities in town who were students of Meisner, like Dustin Hoffman, they would pop into class for a training session. Um, so she was really um, not just a special human. She was an amazing teacher, but also just an amazing human being as well. Well, you mentioned it there and it was actually in my notes that she that I heard she was your acting mama. But what was it about Jacqueline that seemed to connect you to? So. First of all, Jacqueline's husband, her he's from the same small little town in Nova Scotia that my family has roots in. So there was that cute little thing. Um, but if you meet Jacqueline, she was a little woman 
with such a big personality. You felt like she was six feet tall, even though she was like- We five, all know those folks. <laughs> she was like five two. She was a very, like, she was very good with people in the sense that she knew when to coddle you or hold your hand or just be the supportive friend and speak to you with a very sweet voice and when to tell you like, okay, cut the BS. You could like, you know, and when to give you the tough love. Um, but she also just cared so much about her students. So she like, I remember the first role in the actor junior that I got, um, I had emailed her because I was missing class and she like sent me the most beautiful message. She was so happy. Um, if we had an audition that we wanted to prepare for, she'd be like, come over to my house. We'll drink some wine and train in her backyard. Um, we'd go for dinners, we'd go for lunches. She really built a connection with her students. Um, she called her theater company Orphan Space, right? And I feel like since she passed away, all of her alumni students, we all kind of feel like orphans because she's had students who trained with her for 20 years, right? Um, and one thing that I love about her is that she was so thoughtful. So she'd travel and then come back with gifts, you know, um, or she'd be like, I saw this lipstick and I thought of you, or she knows that she knows that I love antiques. So she'd be like, I actually have this at home, this beautiful piece of antique and I want you to have it. And we would do these um, Christmas showcases. Um, and so she gave a little gift and she gave me this Christmas card. And it was the last time that I had seen her because she passed away six months later or five months later. Um, and the Christmas card said, stay grounded, show us your love, show us your heart, you'll blow us all away. And that Christmas card is still on my fridge. It's on my fridge. It's in my dressing room in every theater production. And I put it on the mirror in every single trailer that I work on. So, you know, people are like, WWW, WWJD, what would Jesus do for me? It's like, what would Jacqueline do? She really played a significant part. And I also met her when I was very, very young. So I feel like her, my mother and my grandmother are really have a huge part in making me the woman that I am today. And I don't think that she realized that as much, but she really was a surrogate mom to, to me and, and many of her other students slash friends, you know, we became friends. So. Yeah. And carrying that around, would you like to, whether it be your trailer to the theater or whatever, almost sounds like it's, that's your way of carrying her with you. hundred percent. I have little pieces. Her husband, um, when he sold their house, invited some of her favorite students over. They like, bring a bottle of wine and everybody pick a book from the library. Cause she had this, she had a whole room that was her library. And, you know, you, we went expecting to pick one book. So I took one book and then he's like, no, she would have wanted you to have this. I left with a stack of books and then- And a buzz. And a buzz, but also um, these beautiful antique, um armchairs from like early 1900s that um I thought were beautiful and I always loved and it was actually his mother who gave them to her and he's like well she doesn't have any children so can you please carry on our family's legacy so I have these beautiful over 100 year old chairs that belong to her I have all these little pieces of antiques around my house that remind me of her and every now and then like we'll just kind of get a thought and it's like, I wonder what Jacqueline would think of this or, you know, I wonder how she would feel with about this situation or that, or, you know, which, what would she be doing now? Cause she passed well, away quite young. Well, on that note, make sure you see this lovely guest of Tanisha on fatherhood on Netflix, but also if you have Hulu, you can go back and see some stuff there. And I also mentioned the little sketch that, is on your YouTube channel with PK <laughs> that I saw on her YouTube channel, which hope to see more content soon. Check out her site, TanishaCollins.com, where you can get links to her all her social media. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much. brand is truly exciting and so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. 
Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne, and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and special seasonal gift sets. But also, let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansoapery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansoapery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. Hey, I know we have a lot of horror fans that listen to our shows, and I know things have been tough for everybody across the board these past six or seven months with what's been going on in the real world. But I wanted to make a suggestion to you horror fans, because I know part of the normal routine year in and year out is to attend different conventions to meet some of your favorite horror stars. However, none of us have been able to do that because of obvious reasons. But I do have a little suggestion for you. SignatureHorror.com Now, some may ask, what is that? Well, they obtain autographs for the fans from some of their favorite stars, from some of their favorite franchises. Whether it be the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and many more. They have different options such as, besides getting their autographs, you can do live Zoom calls with your favorite stars. You can do personalized videos for people, greetings of some sort. They just have many options. So if you're looking for to spend some money that you may have spent at conventions, check them out and see the options they have signaturedhorror.com that's right signaturehorror.com hi this is michael berryman and you're listening to crazy train radio Woo-hoo! 